out there, and welcome back to the Gamecock Scoop podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. Uh, I'm joined by beat reporter Alan Cole. Um, got a couple of quick things to run down recruiting-wise, and then we're going to get everyone caught up on what's going on the latest with fall camp. We're, uh, what, 16 days? From 16 kickoff. days till kickoff, yeah. yep. So coming in, coming in hot. Um, if you would like to know whenever we post a video or whatever, make sure you hit subscribe, like it, share it with a friend, all that fun stuff. Um, so let's get right into recruiting. So most of you probably won't hear this until after, unless you're on right now or you hear it in the next couple of hours. But uh, Xavier McLeod is set to announce his decision here in about three hours at 6.30 p.m. on Thursday. Um, Things got a little weird, I guess, but I didn't really think they got weird. Um, nationally, everyone was suddenly like, oh, Georgia, maybe it's going to be Georgia. It could be Georgia. And we kind of were like, ah, maybe. I mean, I asked around. Georgia did seem like they had some confidence that it's it's going to happen. And hey, maybe I end up looking really dumb here in about three hours. And it's totally you throw a future cast in there? <laughs> My future cast has been for South Carolina since August 5th, and it's going to stay. You know, I'll, I'll go down with the ship. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't think that there is going to be a going down with the ship. But um, it seems like both sides are feeling confident. So that always does lead to a little bit of sketchiness leading up to it. But I'm going to go with the home hometown. If both sides are feeling confident, then who knows? But throughout this process, um, you know, to some degree, I think that McLeod, McLeod has enjoyed the spotlight, which, hey, if I was in that position, I would too. Yeah, seriously. Um, and so maybe this is one last just, like, get the buzz around his name because I saw he re retweeted something yesterday uh, about Georgia, and then he retweeted what me and Adam Friedman, the Net Rivals national guy, said about South Carolina, which we both said he was going to end up in South Carolina. So he's definitely keeping, keeping it interesting here uh, in the final hours. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm sticking with my prediction that it's South Carolina. Um, otherwise, there's going to be a huge uh, dump of information on the recruiting wrap-up first thing tomorrow morning on GamecockScoop.com. If you're not a subscriber, it's 10 bucks a month. You should definitely subscribe. You should do um, that. I'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll go through a couple of things really quick. Um, but if you want more in-depth information, that'll all be in that wrap-up first thing tomorrow morning. So five-star, uh, Nicholas Harbour, um, which is definitely the highest-rated prospect still left on South Carolina's board at the moment, um, has reportedly set a official visit with South Carolina for the Georgia game, which you and I will be there. So maybe we'll Bring some screen. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a, a hot one at noon on the 17th of September. Um, so, yeah, that's big news. I mean – that doesn't necessarily it's mean huge. that you, yeah. you're going to land him or anything, but getting him on campus for an official visit uh, is the next step in that process. So that, that would be big. Um, Desmond Umiozulu, uh, I think I said his name right, which is impressive, um, is the edge out of Flowers, Maryland. Um, he is set to announce his commitment on the 29th. He just announced that this week. And for a long time, it was thought it was – uh, Ohio State. In fact, someone asked me on the board the other day to kind of like break it down. And I said, you know, maybe Ohio State 40%, South Carolina 30%. The other two guys, you know, split up 
that other 30%. Um, but honestly, as, as things have kind of progressed, as I've asked around to people that know him, he's been very quiet, like exceedingly good at being very quiet. Um, but there does seem to be a little buzz in South Carolina's direction right now. So much so that I might put in a future cast tomorrow. We'll see. I'm thinking about it. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the last uh, bit of news just lately, and D-line recruiting is having a big week here. Um, Xavier Hardy, for a long time, I've been kind of reporting that, like, yes, I've got to stay in touch, but it seemingly had some academic hurdles uh, that might, may hold him back. Um, and I still think that is true. Uh, but um, now that you don't have, you know, the limit of only 25 recruits or whatever, those guys, you can sign them and right. hope it works out. And if it doesn't work out, maybe go the Juco route and figure it out. So um, definitely a name to keep an eye on there with Xavion Hardy. I'm not yet putting in a future cast for him to South Carolina because I know Florida's in the mix too. And if he can work out his academic situation for South Carolina, he can probably work it out for Florida. So we'll see, but um, definitely in the mix. So that's one to keep up with. And then the last thing is a men's basketball little recruiting note. So last week we talked about Jordan Butler who is the 6'10 center out of Christchurch in Greenville. He's a four-star on Rivals, 69 overall player nationally. Well, he's going to be in for an official visit this weekend. Um, so we're hoping to get a little bit more info coming out of that official visit on how that goes. But that's obviously big. We talked about how keeping those in-state um, recruits has been a huge priority for Lamont Paris so far. And this would be an in-state recruit that's also a big name, which is – Yeah, that we, that'd be two of them with Gigi Jackson, yeah. obviously. Right. So that definitely will keep you guys posted on that. That's all I got recruiting-wise, except for if you want to read the recruiting wrap-up first thing tomorrow morning. Each of those notes will have much more in-depth um, breakdown of each thing. But, yeah, let's get into fall camp. we got some football going on yeah. here. Um, we got a whole lot of football this week in the building. So, so before, and by a whole lot of football, I need like 30 minutes of open practice and a bunch of press conferences, but still. <laughs> right? Definitely. Uh, saw some rope work from a, a backup DB that I didn't know his name, who was on the injury report, uh, or maybe on the injury report. I think he um, was, he was <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, the first five periods or whatever, media access doesn't always let us get to see everything, but between that and the press conferences that we've had over the past few weeks, we are kind of starting to get a vision of what things look like. Um, so my first question before we just kind of go in whatever direction, last night, if um, people watched Welcome Home South Carolina, one of the things that was emphasized because they looked at the first week of uh, fall camp was that the offense was kind of lagging behind, getting off to a slow start. Um, and then of course, in dramatic ESPN fashion, uh, Coach Beamer, you know, had a rah-rah speech and then, they started responding. Um, but my, my question is, uh, are you guys hearing that maybe the offense is lagging a little behind the defense right now? Uh, have they come along since then? Because that was you know, two weeks ago. Yeah. Anything that you're hearing so that's actually something Bieber talked about after the first scrimmage, which was close to us, but he talked after it on Saturday. And that was something, again, that Austin Stogner said when he was speaking with us. I guess that was Monday. or Yeah, it was Monday. Um, that the defense is ahead of the offense. Um, they both said that's pretty normal for this time of year, that usually the first couple of weeks of camp, your defense is just going to be ahead. Um, 
the main issue I think Beamer brought up and that has been brought up with other players has been the red zone. Like the defense is very ahead of the offense there. He mentioned two drives in the spring game where the offense couldn't punch the ball in the end zone um, in the red zone. Um, I mean, he, but he also did say that they had just started installing red zone plays that Thursday before the season or before the scrimmage. So they hadn't even fully installed at that point. Um, everyone seemed to think that was getting better. Uh, Spencer Rattler talked about it yesterday or I guess Monday again. Yeah. It's Monday. We had offensive players that he felt like the offense was catching up a little bit, that the red zone install was going pretty well. Um, and that's just generally been a focus for the red zone, especially that everyone thinks that it's behind, but it's not necessarily off schedule. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've always heard is that, you know, you come out of summer especially you're installing offense with a new quarterback um, who is certainly better than the rotation from last year, but still there's going to be some, some growing things there. And then, yeah, the defense is just able to go kind of full speed, um, do, do their thing. Um, And the defense has more returning starters coming back uh, other than like the offensive line and Josh Van. So um, yeah, I I think that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what are you What are you guys hearing on the injuries front so far? Um, I know that a lot of people held, got held out of the scrimmage on Saturday, but it sounded like most of them were back. Almost everybody was back. Um, like Jordan Birch didn't play the scrimmage. He was, as far as I could tell, full go in practice today. Um, you know, same thing for pretty much everybody who was held out of the scrimmage, really. The only guys who I noticed were out, Kai Kroger's still out. He was at practice today for the first time. That was the first time we'd seen him. He was on the side, kind of sort of stretching with them, but not really. I don't know if he's going to be ready for the first game. It's been very quiet on that front. Um, it's typical coach speak stuff. I mean, just keep kicking the can down the road whenever it's asked. But again, today he wasn't practicing, even though he was there. We saw William Joyce was getting more reps at Holder. We saw a couple different uh, Joyce and Alex Herrera getting reps punting. Um, I still don't know what the deals with that. And my only other, well, two other Corey Rucker was out of practice today, but he looked okay. His, I think it was a right foot injury. They said um, he was walking around like he was, I think Pauline, who's not here with us today, got a picture of him smiling around. So like, I would still expect him ready for week one. That didn't look as bad. Um, Christian Beal Smith is the one I'd be worried about. He was still on a scooter today. Um, another guy with a foot injury. I'm not a doctor, but if he's still on a scooter two weeks before the opening game, I would have questions about him being able to play against Georgia State. I think I wrote in my um, practice observations, which if you're subscribed, you can read on the website, that he was just – that it's in doubt or – I don't know how I worded it, but if he's still on a scooter at this point, I have questions about his availability for that first game, which means someone else in the running back room is going to have to step up too. Um, sure. So, I mean, someone like Lavasi Carroll or saw him returning Mose. kicks today. Him yeah. and Juju McDowell are both getting reps in the kick return game. Thought that was interesting. Which, I mean, I think they could lean primarily on Marshawn and uh, well, Marshawn. He, he was practicing today, but he 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 had a knock too. He was out of the held out of the scrimmage on Saturday as well. Um, right. But as far as I could tell, he was back and ready to go today, so he was in there. Yeah, I mean, they, that's, that is kind of a bummer because they went to get Christian Beal Smith specifically to shore up some of that depth. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. Hopefully not something that lingers. Maybe it's past have, the it's first a week or pretty two. crowded. You still got Dante Miller in there, the transfer from Columbia. 
Um, obviously, you mentioned Lavasi and Carroll. You mentioned Juju McDowell. It's a crowded room right now. I don't think they're going to have a hard time distributing carries. It's more going to be how effective can they be. And yeah, it might have to be more, especially if CBS is out week one, which it definitely seems like it's trending that way. Um, not to make anything official. I definitely don't know, but um, it might have to be more pass heavy, at least in week one. Yeah. And, or, you know, I thought Amos did do some nice things in the spring game. So maybe you lean on him a little mm-hmm. bit more yep. and as like a bruiser. And then obviously you have Juju and Carol's very good in straight line. I haven't seen him, you know, uh, as far as his development as he's transitioning back from corner to um, running back. But, but like you said, there's bodies there. So we'll, yeah. we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, and the, the other name you mentioned was, was Kai Kroger, which people I know like are going to like roll their eyes like, oh, the punchers here. But like, that's actually that <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was a very effective punter last year. He averaged uh, almost 43 yards a punt. He had two punts over 70 yards, which is the uh, first time that's happened since 1984, apparently, for South Carolina. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he was very effective while he was in there. I mean, maybe the other guys will be too. Um, but I do think that that is someone that you want back sooner than later. The only thing I'd say on Kroger, if you're looking for a positive, is we at least saw him today. He was not at any of the three practices um, we were allowed to watch before today. Today he was there on the sideline. So I guess that's a sign things are trending in the right direction, but I don't really have any anything beyond that. Right. Um, another interesting sort of note that I feel like is, I've seen crop up, at, especially after the scrimmage and in the last week, um, is how much praise Luke Doty seems to be getting. Um, obviously, I don't think that there's uh, any chance that he ends up like overtaking Spencer Rattler for QB1 or anything like that. Um, but I, I have just noticed that um, they they seem to really think that he's taken a step forward. And I was wondering if you anything you've seen or, or heard seems to mirror that, or you think it's just kind of coach speak talking up the backup quarterback, or what do you think? I do think it's kind of coach speak, but it's also... I'm going to call it believable coach speak, I guess. Like he obviously has been out there every day. We've seen him at all the practices. Um, We're not allowed to watch any reps or anything, but I mean, it's, it's plausible. I mean, just not even like trying to knock him, but considering where he was at the start of last year, considering how beaten up that quarterback room was last year, I can definitely see that they might see growth. And then also, I guess the mental side of it, we've heard a lot about mental reps. He, he was replaced. I mean, there's no way around it. They brought in a quarterback in the transfer portal, and he's stuck with the program. That's something Beamer talked about Saturday when he was praising him, but he hung around. He's, Spencer was speaking highly of him. They said they'd help each other a lot, um, you know, in the quarterback room. Um, obviously, it's still Spencer Rattler starting. If he goes down at any point, you're having a very different kind of season anyway, I guess I would say. But – I have no reason to doubt it, even though it is probably a little bit hammed up coach speak, if that makes, again, that does, it's kind of contradictory, but. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if everything goes according to plan, right. Spencer will be moving on after this season, or at least that's what everyone hopes. <laughs> that means that would be the idea. Great, great year. I mean, South Carolina had a great year. Um, so, I mean, it is important to know that, that Dodie's kind of developing behind the scenes because he very much could be the guy that, that gets leaned on. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule. I mean, there's ideally if you're South Carolina, there's a couple of games you can get in. You're looking at Charlotte, you're looking at South Carolina state. Um, 
in a perfect world for Shane Beamer and his coaching staff, those would be comfortable wins and you could get your back up some reps. Um, that'd be a chance to see him in game. Yeah, it really has been kind of a shame the way that his career's played out so far because he was highly rated coming in and um, just the way <laughs> he got thrown in, thrown to the wolves a little bit there at the beginning of the mush or the end of the Mushamp era and then the injuries that he struggled through uh, since then. So it would be nice to see him at full speed and, and see what he's looking like uh, as he's developed. Um, before I ask some more specific questions that I kind of had queued up, is there other like storylines that you particularly are seeing develop over the co- course of the first couple of weeks that you wanted to talk about? Um, I'm, I wrote about this and it'll be up soon on the website. There's a huge emphasis on trying to stop the run more. I think almost we had seven defensive players in there yesterday, plus Clayton White today. And I think all of them, or maybe all but one was stop the run. We're talking about stopping the run and that, I mean, there's no way around it. South Carolina was pretty bad in that department last year. I think about five games at over 200 yards allowed on the ground. That obviously can't happen again if you're trying to have success on defense. Um, so I wrote about that. I'm not going to give away everything here, but I thought there was some very pointed focus on that. Um, and then I guess the only other thing would be, and I guess I wrote about this too, which is already on the site, the tight end group. Everyone seems pretty high on Stogner. Um, Nate Atkins was talking about how well Stogner's helped him grow. Um, it's a pretty interesting group of skill players. Cause obviously you've got those two and then Van and Jaheim Bell on the outside. Um, I'm very interested to see kind of how those targets are split up week one, especially if they have to throw the ball more in that game. But those would kind of be my two things. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about the, the run defense last week and how, um, and this actually does lead to one of my questions, but how a healthy Shira Green kind of makes that tick a little bit better. And then you have um, the other linebackers like Mokai. Oh, yeah, he's another one. He was held out of the scrimmage. I think that was probably just being very cautious considering his injury history. Um, But he was in practice today. I didn't notice anything wrong. So I forgot to mention that injuries. But, yeah. Shira Green, yeah. He was held out of the scrimmage, but he was in practice today. Yeah, I'm sure they're just being abundant. You have to be cautious cautious with a guy like that, his injury history. Um, but the other, uh, things that I think maybe are the other players that I think, um, maybe were under, not even under like, uh, publicized, but they have been behind, you know, some pretty important players over the last few years. Um, I've heard a lot of chatter about TJ Sanders and Boogie Huntley sort of stepping up, uh, in a big way over the summer and into the fall. Um, and that's going to go a long way in helping that run defense that we've been talking about as well, as, as long as you can depend on the two of them, especially you think about uh, a guy that maybe was going to be leaned on Rick Sandage, who unfortunately, be, yeah. you know, yeah. We, uh, we talked to um, Sanders yesterday. Um, I do, I do, like I said, we haven't seen a lot in practice, but the couple different reps we've seen, little flashes, Sanders was explosive. I think we have on our site one clip of him kind of blowing up a play. Um there's definitely more snaps up for grabs in that group this year, um, both between the guys who left and Sandage, you know, medically retiring. Um, and yeah, they're going to need guys like that. I, you know, you talk about Boogie Huntley. I mentioned Tonka Hemingway in there. Um, that's just what it's going to have to be if they're going to have success stopping the run. They can't just all be Zach Pickens just eating up blocks in the middle every time. Yeah, for those of you that aren't so familiar with Sanders, and like you said, it was just a very quick move inside and, and blew up up the play that's kind of what he brings to the table is he's a little more explosive than some of the other guys on the line 
they're not quite as big. Um, for people that, you know, are thinking back to the past, the best comp I have is like a Melvin Ingram, but obviously not. That's kind of extreme. That, yeah, not to that level. You yet, taking a but, fake punt against Georgia or? <laughs> yeah, not quite to that level of athleticism, but certainly more athletic than um, your typical like interior guy would be. So um, that, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, they kind of mix and match those guys throughout the season in, in, in certain scenarios. I imagine he would be very useful in uh, passing down. So um, let's see anything. Oh, so like the coordinators all spoke today. So you had offensive coordinator, um, Marcus Satterfield, defense coordinator, Clayton White, and special teams coordinator, uh, Pete Limbo, who sounds like is a riot too. <laughs> yeah, it was, that uh, was, um, I talked a little bit at uh, the media day, but that was my first um, press conference with him. That was, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there, <laughs> football right. and non-football. Um, one of the things that Satterfield and we can kind of go through each coordinator and, and what you got out of it a little today, but one of the things that Satterfield said in welcome home last night, or at least the clip that was, that was shown was he was, you know, fussing about, uh, the way that a practice went or something. And he said, we, we started slow and that was a microcosm of last season, which I think you wrote pretty in depth, especially in road games that a lot of those were over before they started because you didn't score until the second half or you didn't really keep up in the first half. Um, so by the time he came alive, they were sort of out of reach. Um, any like insight from his press conference today? I don't know if he spoke about that specifically, but... Nope, someone actually asked him about that exactly, about slow starts, especially in road games last year. Uh, he was talking a lot about kind of especially how they're trying to change... I don't know, I guess, but you guys don't remember what he said exactly. Change environments, change structures of practices to kind of simulate being on familiar settings on the road. Like you mentioned that Beamer will just randomly move a drill or move a period around from where they usually do without telling anybody, just because sometimes things happen on the road and things change. Um, Beamer said something, no, this isn't the coordinator, but Beamer said something on um Saturday after the scrimmage, they're trying to simulate like half times on the road. They're kind of like taking breaks of about 15 minutes where they're hydrating and stuff in practice and then going back out. Um, that's like you say, trying to simulate a road halftime, you know, and you mentioned all the stuff coaches usually do, crowd noise, um, all that, you know, this typical stuff teams do to try to simulate road games. But no, that's definitely been an emphasis this year. Um and he also talked about the red zone too. I mean, he he mentioned guys still getting used to playing with each other early on. Those things happen. Um, he did mention spacing, which I thought was interesting. That was, I guess, that's kind of receivers all just figuring out where to be and you know how to break out of their routes or whatever. That's all stuff that I would assume comes with more once the install happens and the playbook more. Uh, I don't know more. Yeah. I, I guess fluidity. I'm losing my words there, but. Um, that's all stuff I would think would come, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And he says he thinks the offensive line's improved too, which maybe coach speak, maybe not, but he says it's better from where it was at the start of camp. I'm cautiously optimistic that the offensive line is going to gel together with all that experience. And if you believe what they said in the spring, they attributed several, like uh, a third or, or something of the sacks last season to quarterback which if you don't have some of those same, you know. That leads me to another point, though. He was talking today about Spencer needing to get the ball out quicker. And he wasn't saying, like, Spencer gets it out slowly. It's just that 
he did mention that there were a couple, oh no, Beamer said that there were a couple plays in the scrimmage where that would have been sacks if Spencer was allowed to be hitting those, which they're not. They have in green jersey. But he's, you know, they have that's kind of been a theme too. Beamer said it, and someone asked him asked Satterfield about it today about getting the ball out quicker. They're trying to time it more. He said they're not using like a stopwatch or anything or none of that. Um, but they're they are trying to make quicker releases, quicker drops, more of an emphasis because if you are to believe that, which you can put the two and two together, there were a lot of quarterback sacks last year. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at least on the back half of the season, you had the Jason Brown like spin out move that people started to figure out. I mean, it, it worked really effectively against Florida and Auburn, but uh, not so much against Clemson. So um, yeah, I think that just uh, having someone that is good at the timing routes, which is pretty much Spencer Rattler's like MO. Um, and then someone that's willing to step up in the pocket instead of constantly doing the, you know, 15 step drop that ends right. up <laughs> pretty much submarining a drive. If, if that doesn't work out, um, I think should go a long way in that. Um, and then defensively, anything stand out from uh, Creighton White's comments today? Um, well, we had the run defense. He hit on that a couple times. Yeah. I wrote that. I'm not going to recircle there. Um, trying to think what else he did. You know, he talked a little bit about his scheme, which I wrote about too. He, he mentioned kind of players learning more now that there's now that they have the knowledge, they can kind of play faster. They don't have to think about where they have to be. They're just there. Um, kind of a muscle memory thing at this point. Um, Turnovers were brought up. I thought that was interesting. This South, South Carolina obviously forced a ton of turnovers last year. And he actually said himself, he take, quote, he has no idea that's sustainable, which it's it's luck. I mean, turnovers are mostly a luck stat, a ball bounce, a tip drill, whatever. Um, but they did say they're working on that a lot. Um, yeah, one thing. On turnovers. One other thing that stood out to me from his comments today and this is always exciting around the summer year, right? You have the freshmen that are showing up and starting to, sh to show out. Um, was He did go a little bit in depth on Nick Amonwari. He's been um, mentioned by a couple people, yeah. Yeah, it seems like he's maybe standing out from that freshman group. Yeah, someone we got a little bit contribute. today in practice, just a little teaspoon. And he made one play kind of like coming around the edge on a screen pass, I guess you'd call it. Uh, the video's on our Twitter account, at Rivals Gamecock. Um, but... I thought that was good kind of speed around the edge. Good, like took a good line to the ball, which here I am taking Zapruder film on one snap in a practice, but um, yeah, that was interesting well, to me and other players. The funny part, too. the funny part about that film was I was like, Oh, who had the ball there? And you go Chad Terrell. So whenever I tweeted it, I was like, Chad Terrell goes around the corner. And then um, we were talking about it in the like staff group chat and, Perry McCarty, who does a lot of our film work and stuff, he's the one that noticed that Nick Amonwari like made a really good play on the ball. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, and like was standing out as probably the fastest moving person on the field. I mean, granted, some practice and stuff, maybe not not everyone's going full speed at that exact moment, but um, he definitely, as soon as he pointed that out, he flashes in that that one rep. And yeah, how much you can take from one rep, I don't know. But like you said, we've been hearing his name. Um, Clayton White says he's going to be a factor this year. I don't know. That's probably coach speak, but that's just something to keep an eye on, I guess. Yeah, and particularly on special teams here yep. early on, too. But, um, and that's someone that could be asked to step up in a major way next year after um, you have the like fifth-year presence of Roderick and right. um, 
read. Uh, that is somewhere where I do think they're a little shallow depth-wise at safety. Um, safety, corner, kind of whatever you want to put that there. Um, so that they did. That's also, we talked about this last week, but they did mention guys kind of playing different positions, kind of rotating, getting reps at nickel, getting reps at corner, getting reps at safety. So I, I don't know if he projects as a safety at any point, but if that is an area where South Carolina is struggling with depth, maybe they try him there at some point. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess that's possible. Well, they, there seems to be some overlap between those like outside linebackers, safeties, and right. the way that they're recruiting. I mean, you think about um, Jaden Robinson, who's no longer committed to South Carolina, but that was very much, you know, he's a safety, but he also could step up into the box. Um, Terrence Love, who they're recruiting that's committed to Auburn right now, is the same sort of guy. Uh, kind so. of a weird, not to bring a Clemson guy into this, like Isaiah Simmons kind of role, I guess, kind of right. that hybrid. Exactly. Um, and then the last bit, we talked a little bit about Pete Limbo. Um, now I saw that you tweeted out that you needed to maybe keep track of his. Um, so I've never been in a presser with nice a special <laughs> teams coordinator who had an opening statement. Nobody else has had an opening statement all week. None of the players, none of the other coaches, none of the court. Well, Beamer did Saturday, I guess, after the scrimmage. But other than him, no, he talked for like five and a half, six minutes before we got to questions. Just about every pressure washed his driveway this offseason. Like he was talking about, uh, oh, there was just so much weird stuff in there. His wife applied for sainthood. Um, I don't think I even ben put watch, that in the thread, but there was, there was all kinds of crazy stuff before the we. Terminal list. Yeah. <laughs> all kinds um, of stuff before we even got to football, but it was definitely interesting. I also love that he started spitting out some nicknames. Uh, yep. What, he's apparently he's known for that. Um, I yeah. haven't been here long enough, but he. Dropped a couple today. Um, yeah, it's he's a fun guy to be around. And I guess in terms of the actual football, it's pretty much just updates on where everything is with the Kai Kroger injury and how they're trying to fill punter and holder. Um, he did mention, I guess, the one blurb, I guess, that was interesting. was there. He mentioned something about simulating pressure kicks, which I actually asked him about after he said that. He said that they're, again, crowd noise. That's a pretty typical one. But they're putting conditioning on the line like if a kicker misses a kick everybody has to run that was one thing he mentioned they're trying to you know do some things with different angles trying to they're trying to make pressure for kickers um which i guess that's not uncommon but it's still i mean it's a special teams coordinator press conference that's probably about as much as you're going to get um right i did see that uh we got a little bit of indications on what's going on at returner like josh van's probably going to be the part he did returner. say that josh van was probably going to have that role um obviously we've seen we've seen juju mcdowell with lavosti carroll that's been most of the reps we've seen in the open practices i don't know what you want to take onto that but that's what we've been seeing um return, you mean? Yeah. yeah um i mean that would make sense they're both very quick yeah, um, and then I I saw maybe like uh, Antoine Wells and Peyton Mangrum are also options back there. Peyton Mangrum, that'd be the other piece of like news, I guess. That he's been on scholarship. Uh, he put on Tuesday as a great video on the South Carolina football Twitter account of him getting his scholarship. Um, probably a special teams player this year, but it's great for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you if we want to talk about that for a second, like it's something we've talked about a little bit before, but. You know, Coach Beamer and the entire staff, every recruit that I've talked to always emphasizes this like genuineness and this family first sort of environment and atmosphere. 
Um, I thought that that video did a good job of showing it. We also got some clips last week um, that I didn't run, but other news outlets did. I, I didn't run it because I wanted to send them to the family first and then figure out if that was cool. And I didn't have contact, but of um, McCoy uh, Petty, who was yep. out there. Uh, Last Friday at, at practice, yeah. Indoor, uh, yeah, after we talked at the indoor facility. Um, and I thought that that was a really cool moment where, for those of you that have been out of the loop, Phil Petty, um, Gamecock quarterback, uh, died uh, suddenly a few weeks ago, almost a month ago, I guess now. Um, and just this idea that, yeah, but you're always a Gamecock, you're always family, bringing his family in for um, the practice last week letting McCoy run around out there. Uh, a lot of the returns I saw from the players was that, you know, he was having a blast and probably, you know, I, I can imagine probably one of the happier moments he's had yeah. here in the last month or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, stuff like the rollout of um, the scholarship for Peyton Mangrum, you, you just see this idea that it's more than just them telling recruits are telling whoever like oh we believe in family but they're actually living a lot of that which on is, the football is sense too, we talked about this last week but beamer said himself at his first presser of the year well first one after sec media days that you know if guys are good enough as walk-ons they're going to play you know we're going to take as many walk-ons as we can and if they're good they're going to be on scholarship eventually and at least in peyton mangrum's case that's what happened well, and, and doing that in a time when scholarships are pretty tight actually right. because um, my count is that there we're still two over right now, actually. I think Maybe the count's 87 now, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's still going to have to be some sort of movement between now and, and kickoff. Uh, the numbers always work out. But, um, yeah, so that, I mean, more than ever, that's interesting that he's proving that uh, even when the numbers are so tight. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. Anything else? Uh, we've got, you know, five, ten more minutes. Anything um, else? Football-wise, no. I did want to throw in the basketball schedule drops. Um, men's oh, yeah. non-conference and women's conference dropped um, Tuesday and Wednesday this week, respectively. Um, yeah. And the men's looks as, very favorable, uh, honestly. The I don't know. I mean, maybe. I. It's hard to project with the men's. I mean, they're already talking about scholarships. They're down to 11 scholarship players now, With you know, after the latest injury news last week. Um I more just thought it was interesting that, you know, well, first of all, they scheduled the Clemson game on a Friday night of a road football game. So that sucks. Everyone's going to be in Gainesville. Um, yeah, that was I wasn't a fan of that. Um, and then I thought the D.C. road trip was interesting. I assume that's a recruiting tool for Lamont Paris. Get the brand, get the logo up there. They're going to play at George Washington and at Georgetown on a four-day road trip. I think that's like November 30th and December 3rd off the top of my head. Um, so they're going to play two games in D.C. Obviously, they got the Charleston tournament starting with Colorado State, who they were a tournament team last year. Um, that's going to be tough. That's I, that's a very tough tournament. Yeah, you got Virginia yeah, Tech yeah. in there, too. It's a defending conference. You got Furman in there in state. I mean, that was almost tournament team last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, we do have a breakdown of the non-conference schedule on uh, GameFoxGroup.com that Steven Anderson wrote yesterday. So you don't have to scroll too far for it. Um, he was maybe a little bit more optimistic with the record than I am. Um, but I, I think he said maybe like 12 and four. I can't remember how many. That's, exactly. I don't know about that. Um, 
We'll see. I mean, it's, I guess my only other note would be the last non-conference game, December 30th, got um, G.D. Jackson versus Amani Bates because they've got Eastern Michigan coming in here. That's kind of a fun one-on-one matchup, a couple possible NBA prospects here, um, kind of close out 2022 and close out the non-conference schedule. And then the women's basketball schedule dropped, like you said. SEC games, although we do have most of the non-conference piece together. Like, we know they're going to Stanford. We know they're going to Oregon. Those will probably be on the same road trip. Um, We know they're going to UConn February 5th. Um, Don't have the whole non-conference yet, but we've got kind of the big names targeted there. And then we got all the SEC dates dropped yesterday. Um, Yep. Unfortunately, no Tennessee at home this year. Yeah. Um, uh, quick takeaway no from that is just stay at home this year. That LSU game is probably going to be the big one. That might be the what decides the SEC regular season, at least. That's February 12th. That's going to be a day game on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, Kim Mulkey and LSU coming into Columbia. That's going to be a huge game. Um, got two with Kentucky. Rematch the SEC title game last year. It's at Lexington in January, and then Kentucky's back here in February. Um, and then they close it out with Georgia at home three days before the SEC tournament starts. And then one thing that we forgot to mention on the Memphis bus side, those of you that live in Greenville area, oh, uh, yeah. there's there's going to be a game between East Carolina and South Carolina at Bon Secours. And then, of course, the women's SEC tournament has at least one more And year the regional for the women is going to be there, too. So, so it's basketball for someone else, but they're probably going to be able to play the whole postseason up to the final four if they make it without leaving the state. SEC tournament in Greenville, you'd I, you would expect them to host the first weekend, and then regional in Greenville too. That uh, sets up nicely for a, a repeat run. So we'll have to, just might. Have to <laughs> uh, that's pretty um, much the only other note I had. I just wanted to throw the basketball schedules in there. No, yeah, that's a good catch. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, otherwise, coming up, we got the recruiting wrap-up tomorrow. Hopefully, we're going to have some follow-up um, articles on Xavier McLeod here in a couple of hours. Um, we got a lot of 2024 recruiting notes. So, um, Lee Wardlaw, recruiting editor, again, Glax Group, has really been focusing on the 2024 class. So, we have an article on Heaven Brown Schuler, who they call Heavy. Uh, 2024 four-star of Georgia. I uh, got an article coming up on five-star linebacker Sammy Brown. Um, have obviously had plenty of Jefferson, Georgia. Well, a little bit away yeah. from me, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, have obviously had plenty of uh, contacts and articles with Dante Reno, who is always uh, bound to talk, which I really appreciate about him. I mean, he's been a great ambassador for the university thus far. Um, there was someone else that I can't think of out of 2024 that we just talked to that was a big deal. Well, it'll come back around later, but yeah, so check all that out. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully going to have some men basketball recruiting news after this weekend with Jordan Butler. But I think that pretty much does it for us today. Uh, thanks for joining me, Alan. Thanks to anybody who's watching live. I don't know if we had a lot of people in or not, but if you suck around, cool. It's a good way to spend the yeah. Thursday afternoon. Definitely. We had a few. Uh, Mike Button said that he thought that uh, Xavier McLeod was going to flip to Jackson State. So um, <laughs> I, we'll I cover the whole Travis Hunter thing. I Nothing surprises me anymore. I, I missed I that there, I was I was I talked to Travis Hunter about nine days before he flipped. And as far as I could tell, it was still Florida State. 
but it's recruiting. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll try to do these live uh, a little bit more now that we're kind of getting our feet wet and feel more comp confident with it. So definitely check in on those, leave us comments, leave us questions, and we'll try to address them. You can also email us at rivals Gamecock scoop um, and leave us questions that way or just post them. Just tweet on the yeah, ask, Alan. There's two underscores. My name's common. So Alan, two underscores. Cole can tweet me there. Some questions. We can try to answer them. Yeah, pretty much anything else you got on South Carolina. I'll try my best to answer it. Yeah. Um, all right. Until next time, yep. uh, this has been the Gamecock Group Podcast, and we'll see you around.